hope the ayes are 217, the nays are 213. The bill is passed, and without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. Big vote in Congress, and good Friday morning, Orlando, here at 6 o'clock with thunderstorms upon us in Metro Orlando. We are glad you're with us for our first Friday morning look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning the health care bill now heads to the Senate, and the Pulse nightclub site will become a memorial. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And we'll talk about the vote to repeal and replace Obamacare from all angles in this half hour of Good Morning Orlando. Good Friday morning at 6.02 on News Radio 102.5. President Trump will focus his attention on skeptical Republicans in the Senate now that the House has passed a revised health care bill. The legislation passed by the House yesterday is widely expected to go through significant changes in the Senate if the president has any hope for passage there. GOP leaders have been working with key senators to try and reach compromises that could get the 51 votes needed for it to pass the chamber. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. In local news, plans are being formulated for a permanent memorial to the worst mass shooting in the U.S. For nearly 13 years, Pulse served as a place of love and acceptance for the LGBT community, and it should have been the last place for such a tragedy. Pulse nightclub owner Barbara Poma said the One Pulse Foundation and a task force are working on the idea for a memorial at the gay nightclub where 49 people were killed and dozens more were injured last June. Poma said she wants the site to be a place of change, education and remembrance, adding, quote, we will not let hate win. The nonprofit foundation is currently collecting ideas and thoughts from Pulse survivors, family and community members on what the memorial should look like. And they say, Deb, that they're going to be taking public input with ideas. I've got some ideas that I think are being largely ignored, overlooked for one reason or another, and I'll share them in our 7 o'clock hour this morning. Meanwhile, families of the people killed in the San Bernardino, California terror attack are suing major tech companies. The lawsuit filed this week states Twitter, Google, and Facebook knowingly support ISIS and support extremist beliefs. The families believe the social media sites helped radicalize the shooters in the December 2 2015 terror attack. The shooting left 14 people dead and nearly two dozen others wounded and had been considered uh, the worst mass shooting in the U.S. until the Pulse attack. Delta Airlines is apologizing to a Southern California family who were forced off a flight last month. Ryan Shear claimed Delta booted him, his wife, and his two toddler children off a flight from Hawaii to Los Angeles due to overbooking. Shear says they bought a ticket for their toddler to use while in his car seat, excuse me, but Delta employees told them they needed the seat. They reportedly asked the family to hold the baby on their lap for the entire flight. When he refused, Shear said the employees told the parents they would be tossed in jail if they didn't get off the plane and their children would end up in foster care. That's a little harsh. It is. And there's audio of them telling this this father, if you don't get off this flight, you know, off this plane, you're going to end up in jail and your children are going to end up in foster care. Man, oh, man, I'm telling you, there's no end to this. There isn't for a seat he had paid for. Yes. Now, this seat was originally for his 18 year old son. Apparently, the issue (laughs) is that technically, you know, the names need to all match. Exactly. But the Delta Gate agents, you know, he had gone to them and said, listen, my my son left on an earlier flight. Can I just put my toddler in his car seat? The gate agents had no problem with it. They took their seats. Then a Delta employee boarded the plane and said, you need to get off this flight and your children are going to end up in foster care. Mm. You would think in the wake of everything that's been going on, airline employees would be extra sensitive 
to what it is they say to people, knowing that yeah. it's going to end up on camera. Apparently not yet. No, Delta <laughs> issued an apology yesterday and promised to give the family a full a full refund and additional compensation, most likely that employee's salary. In other local news, a Seminole County Middle School student is recovering from a venomous snake bite. Seminole County Public Schools confirmed this week that a 14-year-old Markham Woods Middle School student was bit on campus Monday by what was likely a cottonmouth, which is also known as a water moccasin. The teen was taken to Arnold Palmer Hospital for Children in Orlando but did not require antivenom. They said it was what they call a dry strike or a dry bite where the snake just quickly hit but didn't release any venom. Oh, my goodness. How fortunate is that? That's a really dangerous, deadly snake. Yes, it is. You've got about three hours after you're bitten if you, if you do receive the venom Man. to receive medical care. And because of this drought... They're coming more and more into residential areas. One home, bud, near Markham Woods, yeah. they found eight water moccasins curled up around trees and stuff in the front yard. Boy, that's frightening. This is the time of year you don't let your dogs or your kids out, especially yeah. at night. You take a flashlight. You bet. Because it only takes a second. Administrators at the middle school notified parents about the incident. And finally, a lot of folks probably have these uh, plans in place, even if they don't have a drop of Mexican heritage, but it's the same thing come St. Patrick's Day. Today, <laughs> celebrations will be held all over the nation in honor of Cinco de Mayo, which means May 5th in Spanish. It was on this date in 1862 when the outnumbered Mexican army defeated the invading French forces of Napoleon III at the Battle of Puebla. The Mexican military victory evolved over the years to become what it is today, a celebration of the rich heritage of music, dance, food, and culture. As the population of Mexican-Americans has increased over the years, so has the popularity of Cinco de Mayo, especially for states near the Mexican border. There are an estimated 21 million Americans of Mexican descent living in the U.S. By the way, we're going to have a Cinco de Mayo sound judgment game question later in this hour. So it's Cinco de Mayo on Sound Judgment for the great prize up for grabs in about 30 minutes. Right now, WFLA News Time at 6.07. And you can read about how a selfie inadvertently revealed Steve Bannon's to-do list at 1025wfla.com. Yeah, they picked up the whiteboard behind him and some controversial stuff on it. Uh Uh-huh. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. From News Radio 102.5, this is Good Morning Orlando. Looking at Doppler radar right now, we got a big vertical line of showers and thunderstorms moving through the area. But I asked Yaffe and Deb, I'll ask you, we do not have any reports of severe weather warnings at this time. Am I right? Absolutely. No severe weather warnings, but, you know, it is hitting when it's still dark. It's going to, you know, it's yeah. morning rush hour, and we haven't had a, any significant rain in so long that there's a lot of oil on the roadways, yeah. and it's those first few minutes of rainfall that are oh, the yeah. most dangerous. That's the Florida ice. Florida, The black ice, exactly. Yeah. Yet the it's other awful. day when we had a little bit of rain, they had over 100 accidents yeah. in a four-hour period. Be real careful. We'll bring you traffic and weather the whole deal all along the way. Yaffe at the controls, Bryce screening your calls. We're diving right in to the long-anticipated and really historic vote in the House to repeal and replace Obamacare. We got this from so many angles, and of course, we'll be talking with you. If you've got a take on what went down in the House and where all of this is going as it heads now to the Senate, 407-916-5400 is my number, and our text line, 23680. We'll dive in on this, and of course, we'll update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you in just two minutes. Here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. 
By the way, Yaffe, we tried to get Dan Webster on the uh, show this morning, but apparently he is being showered with requests and uh, was unable to accommodate ours. Is that the deal? Uh, yep, yep. Didn't hear back. Yep, okay. Well, at any rate, it was a critical uh, flip there, and we saw Webster. He was just yucking it up in the White House lawn. Trump invited all the members of the House who uh, who passed this thing over yesterday. Right after the vote, they all took buses from the Capitol to the White House grounds. It was quite a scene. Here is President Trump in the Rose Garden. This is a great plan. I actually think it will get even better, and this is, make no mistake, this is a repeal and a replace of Obamacare. Make no mistake about it. It is in part, but it's not a full repeal and replace. More on that in a moment. Interesting. There's been some bad blood and a lot of tension between House Speaker Paul Ryan and the president. Ryan was right behind him. Trump turned around to him and identified him as the key player in getting the votes needed and to get this thing through the House yesterday. And Ryan stepped to the microphone. I have never ever seen any kind of engagement like this. I want to thank Mike Prince and I want to thank President Donald Trump for their personal involvement in working with our members and working to get this right for getting this done and getting us to where we are. Thank you, gentlemen. Now, obviously not everybody was celebrating House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi now. You're walking the plank for what? A bill that will not be accepted by the United States Senate. Why are you doing this? But you have every provision of this bill tattooed on your forehead. You will glow in the dark on this one. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily true. More on what happens in the Senate in a moment. But you need to understand something is being woefully underreported by the anti-Trump mainstream media. Look at what happened yesterday with the passage of the American Health Care Act, House Bill 1628. Are you ready? It reduces taxes on the American people by over $1 trillion. The bill abolishes the following taxes imposed by Obama and the Democrats with Obamacare in 2010. And we've all kind of grown used to it, and we've grown to live with it. But these are taxes that are now being pulled back and removed. This bill abolishes the Obamacare individual tax mandate that hits 8 million Americans a year, abolishes the Obamacare employer mandate tax. That's a $270 billion tax cut when you put it together with the repeal of the individual mandate, okay? And it it abolishes a bunch of other taxes as well, and the savings to the American public in terms of their tax burden is substantial. Now, we need to focus on exactly what happens in the Senate. And there are some aspects of this that you may not be fully in touch with. And frankly, there's a little bit of a murkiness to how this goes as well. Are they going to be able to pass a Senate version of this? And there will be changes. That's inevitable. With 51 votes, are they going to need 60? I'll explain how that is likely to go down here in just a moment. As we roll on from the Frontgate Realty Studio, visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Your reaction to what happened in the House yesterday and what you've heard here so far this morning, very welcome. Hop on the 50,000-watt front porch now at 407-916-5400 or get on the text line at 23680. You know, Pelosi is saying this is going to be an electoral nightmare for Republicans in 2018. That remains to be seen. I've got to tell you, Obamacare would be exactly that for the Democrats because it is dying right now. The Democrats ought to thank the Republicans for, you know, for taking this 
burden away from them because, you know, people in so many states are down to having one or none when it comes to Obamacare insurance options. No competition. And we've got premiums going through the roof. The Republicans are right when they say to Wallace, Bill may not be perfect, and they struggled mightily to get it done, that the new bill is necessary to curb these skyrocketing premiums as Obamacare implodes. This bill eliminates the tax penalties of Obamacare that we cited here a moment ago, and that's to the tune of over a trillion dollars when you put all the tax burden together that will be removed. It cuts the Medicaid program for low-income people that states impose work requirements on Medicaid recipients. It transforms Obama's subsidies for millions buying insurance, largely based on people's incomes and premium costs, into tax credits you've been hearing about that rise with consumers' ages. And it does keep in place the uh, popular Obamacare requirement uh, that family policies cover children in the family until they are 26. States can get waivers under this bill. I don't know if that'll hold up in the Senate or not. Freeing insurers from other Obama coverage requirements with the waivers. Insurers could charge people with pre-existing illnesses far higher rates than healthy customers. Boost prices for older consumers to whatever they wish, and ignore the mandate that they cover specific services like pregnancy care. And the bill also, this is interesting, would block payments to Planned Parenthood for a year, and uh, that was a real triumph for conservative um, anti-abortion Republicans kind of slipped into the House bill here. Listen, this thing is going over to the Senate right now, and under reconciliation as a budget bill, which the heart of this is, They only need 51 votes. You may think, well, they got 52 Republicans. It ought to be a slam dunk. It is not. There are at least eight senators with strong opposition to the House bill. You're going to have to flip at least seven of them to get this done in the Senate. And Yaffe, there are aspects of Obamacare, and they're not going to be able to, no matter what happens in the Senate, fully repeal and replace. And it was written so that it was almost impossible to untangle from Obamacare That was a strategy. The problem is there are aspects of this that cannot be done under reconciliation unless the Senate parliamentarian makes a ruling in that way. It would require 60 votes. That would be to repeal the the 10 essential areas of coverage that Obamacare mandates. That sort of thing would be a 60-voter the way it looks now. Sounds like the celebration was a little premature then, does it not? I mean, I mean I'm glad the house passed something and it was good, but now who knows what's going to happen next? No, we really don't know what's going to happen. I and- will I, I was just, I will say this, Paul Ryan was right on one thing. A lot of those people were elected for the purpose of repealing yes. Obamacare. Yes. So they the had Democrat, to yeah. do it. Yeah. And, and they're going to go home to their constituents because they're now on break again. <laughs> and, and, and they're going to at least be able to say, this is why you sent us to Washington. We did it. It's not perfect, but we did what you sent us there for, you know, and, uh, and you should be celebrating that along with us. It's quite amazing to see the Democrats in the left acting like the sky is falling. It's not even a full repeal. It even keeps some parts of Obamacare. And there's still acting like the sky is falling. But oh, yeah. they would do that no matter what, yeah. I think. You know, that was really classless and obnoxious when um, they started saying, hey, 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 goodbye, whatever that thing is. You hear at ball games, you know, yeah. when the other team is definitely losing and the home team all drowns them out and sends them on their way. 
And it was really, you know, it was really pretty obnoxious. And what they were essentially saying is, you've just voted for this thing. You guys are all going to be gone in the midterms in 2018. I'm not so sure. We have no idea how this is going to play out. And again, the point I'm making is, this had to be done, Mike. Forget the partisan politics. Obamacare is not sustainable. That is evident everywhere you look in this country. Not only that, but a lot of those Republicans probably would have lost their jobs if they did not repeal Obamacare. Yes, point well taken. All right, Deb joining us right now here on a stormy Friday morning. But isn't the rain a welcome sight, even it, with the thunder boomers and all that and the traffic problems? really is, yeah, because North Florida has just uh, issued a water shortage warning. And, of course, you know, we're under a 16-county, uh, you know, uh, water shortage warning as well. So you any bet. little bit we can get from the heavens will help. But it does mean you have to uh, allow for some extra time on your way out the door this morning. Yeah, and leave that guy in front of you. Lots of extra room can get slick when it hasn't rained hard in a while. Okay, Deb, let's get back to what happened in the House of Representatives yesterday, shall we? Yeah, President Trump is confident that the Republican health care bill will pass in the Senate. Trump and House Republicans took a victory lap in the Rose Garden yesterday after the House narrowly passed a revised bill to repeal and replace Obamacare. Trump predicted that premiums and deductibles will come down under the Republican plan. Meanwhile, House Democrats are letting their Republican colleagues know they'll be held accountable for their vote to repeal and replace Obamacare. After the bill passed, Republicans erupted in cheers. However, Democrats broke out in song singing, na, 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 hey, 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 goodbye. Meaning they'll be out in 2018. Yeah, exactly. But who knows how this will ultimately play Nobody out? Nobody knows how so this is going to play out. So much still to come. This news brought to you by Trusco <laughs> Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The Florida legislature has agreed on a new state budget, and Senate Appropriations Committee Chairman Jack Latvala is finally getting a break. Several members were taking advantage of the lull to ask me for things in the budget, and I figured I wanted to save everybody their breath by telling them the budget is being printed. So that's good news. No, no, no need to ask me for anything else. We're done. The budget may be done, but the legislature is not. There's a three-day cooling-off period before they vote on the $83 billion spending plan. The session ends at midnight tonight, so they'll have to approve an extension and come back Monday for the final vote. In the meantime, Governor Rick Scott is pushing his Visit Florida and Enterprise Florida initiatives in a visit to Pensacola. The governor spoke yesterday to the Home Builders Association of West Florida at the Sanders Beach Corinne Jones Resource Center, where he asked constituents to contact state lawmakers and urge them to fund the tourism and business programs. Scott is asking the legislature for $100 million for the programs. Just call Tallahassee Mayor Andrew Gillum, the million-dollar man. His campaign for governor and an affiliated political action committee have raised just over a million dollars for the race, and they've still got almost $750,000 in the bank. And finally, Corinne Brown is defending herself during her corruption trial. The former 24-year congresswoman was on the stand yesterday answering questions for nearly four hours at the Jacksonville Federal Courthouse. There, Brown denied all charges that she used a purported children's education fund for her own personal expenses. She blamed her former chief of staff, Ronnie Simmons, for financial impropriety. Brown's testimony continues today, and she faces a 350-year prison sentence for nearly two dozen criminal charges. So I guess four hours on the stand when you compare it to 350 years isn't all that bad of a time. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, exactly. You can get these stories and more at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now. All right, Deb, let's bring in Gina Cervetti. It's Friday morning, and that means we've got our daily Bloomberg business report from the Bloomberg Newsroom live in New York City 
Good morning, Gina. Bud, good morning. All right, let's take a look at the stock market. I wonder whether or not that uh, vote on uh, the repeal and replacement of Obamacare uh, caused a, a, a blip in stock prices yesterday. And, and I also, of course, want you to give us a look at what those stock futures are saying this morning. All right. Well, actually, the stock futures are a little changed, and yesterday was also a little changed on Wall Street. As uh, you guys have been talking about, that health care bill has a ways to go. But investors are keeping their eye forward on that big jobs report out this morning, and we'll have more on that in just a minute. Yesterday, uh, as I said, kind of flat. The Dow slipped six points to 20,951. The S&P 500 added one point. And it closed at 23.90. The Nasdaq rose three points and settled in at 60.75. So on the subject of that jobs report, let's take a look at what the expectations might be as viewed from Bloomberg's perspective. Sure. Well, economists surveyed by Bloomberg are estimating payroll gains of 190,000, with the jobless rate ticking up just a little bit, 45 to 4.6%. Now, if you remember, we had the April, uh, we have the April report coming out today. We had the March report that came in quite a bit lower than expected when it came to payrolls numbers. So, 190,000 would be a market improvement. Uh, we have some earnings to watch for today, including those from Cigna and Berkshire Hathaway. That's Warren Buffett's mm-hmm. conglomerate, which owns many, many things. <laughs> yes, they do, which makes him many, many, many billions Indeed, every year. Indeed, and the stock is very, very high priced. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, Gina, I'll bet you just a couple of years ago, anybody would have thought that talcum powder is about the safest, most innocuous product out mm. there. A Johnson & Johnson would tell you otherwise these days, right? Well, Johnson & Johnson is, in fact, claiming there isn't anything wrong with their talcum powder. I know, powder, but, but I mean, they're really being, they're really, they're yes. having problems. Oh, they certainly are. A St. Louis jury now has ordered J&J to pay more than $110 million to a woman who blamed her ovarian cancer on the company's talcum products. And there are more than 3,000 lawsuits accusing J&J of ignoring the studies linking its baby powder and its shower-to-shower talcum products to ovarian cancer and failing to warn customers about the risk. Now, J&J lost three verdicts last year. While winning the first trial, the company is appealing all of its losses. And we're not quite into the big summer box office blockbuster season at the movie theaters, and already uh, Disney's fortunes are looking pretty good, right? What's the story there? Yeah, Bloomberg has an article out today saying that the summer box office looks like uh, will, it will be dominated by Disney once again. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 opens in theaters this weekend. Disney starts the traditional blockbuster season with a film that could top a billion dollars in global ticket sales. It'll release three sequels this summer. Volume 2, which we just mentioned, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, and Cars 3. That's half its output last summer, Mm -hmm. but should be enough, according to this Bloomberg article, to ward off studio rivals. Very, very interesting. Before you go, first Saturday in May is the Kentucky Derby. I mean, the most famous horse race in the world. Uh, It's interesting to me that Bloomberg would even be reporting on that. What have you got? (laughs) Well, I couldn't tell you right now who the favorite is, Bud. However, there uh, is an article this morning in Bloomberg saying that the owner of the horse that wins the Derby tomorrow, which is the 143rd running, could be looking at their only win. Just 13 horse owners have had two or more Derby victories since the race began in 1875. Lexington's Calumet Farm boasts the most Kentucky Derby wins at eight and winnings from the Derby of just over $7 million. The payout is enticing enough, but owners also benefit, of course, 
horse from the prestige and the stud fees of the winning uh, horse of the Run for the Roses. And, of course, down there in Central Florida, you've got a lot of uh, really uh, nice horse farms, oh, uh, especially yeah. over there in the Ocala area. Yeah, just north of us here, it's magnificent horse country, and a mm-hmm. lot of derby winners have come right out of that area. Uh, terrific to have you with us, Gina. Enjoy your weekend. We'll catch you Monday morning for the start of the week and another Bloomberg Business Report at the same time. Take good care. All right, you too. Thank you. Yeah, hey, tell you what, we're going to run the uh, sound judgment game here um, right now, a little bit earlier than usual. So um, up and at him and on the 50,000-watt front porch, I promise you the odds of you winning the sound judgment game are better than picking the winning horse in the derby by a good measure. Can't say the payout's quite as great, but we got some great prizes. So let's play sound judgment together. Let's fill up the open slots on the 50,000-watt front porch. Give me a call right now, 407-916-5400. The only way you can win is to be on the phone on the 50,000-watt front porch, 407-916-5400. It's Friday morning. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. Going to play Sound Judgment, and then we're going to have a live update on the uh, repeal and replace vote in the House of Representatives to undo Obamacare. That's coming up in about 10 minutes. We'll have all of this unfolding before your ears, along with an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in only two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Got a full bank of calls ready to go on the sound judgment game. And uh, Bryce, what are we playing for this morning? You're playing for a pair of tickets to the 2017 International Christian Film Festival today through the 6th at the Wyndham Resort in Orlando. Plus, a copy of Barry Manilow's new CD, This Is My Town. Songs of New York, available now. It's Barry's love letter to the Big Apple. This album features 10 new studio recordings, half original composition and half standards, but all evoking the spirit and energy of New York City. A great gift idea for Mother's Day. For additional information, visit Manilow.com or follow him on Facebook and Twitter at Barry Manilow. All right, good deal. Are you ready to go, gang? 407-916-5400 is the number to call and get on and win if somebody gets a wrong answer and we open up a line for you. 407-916-5400. So it is the 5th of May, Cinco de Mayo, a day that celebrates an obscure battle Mexico won against French forces way back in 1862. For our sound judgment game today, listen to a bit of a song about Cinco de Mayo, then... Use your sound judgment and correctly spell Cinco de Mayo. It's Cinco de Mayo today. Clap your hands and shout, ole! It's Cinco de Mayo today. Clap your hands and shout, ole! All right, you're going to celebrate it today probably, but I wonder if you can spell it correctly. Spell Cinco de Mayo, line one. C-I-N-C-O. D-E-M-A-Y-O. Oh, man. The smartest audience in talk radio comes through. Nice going, man. Nice going. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I was afraid we might be here a while. That's good stuff. First name, please? Gary. What? Gary. G-A-R-Y. I'm missing it here. Larry. Yeah. Gary. With a G. Gary. Come on, Yaffy. Don't tell me it's Larry. It's Gary. <laughs> We can do that, and where are you calling in from, Gary? Think loud. All right, excellent. Listen, thank you so much. i got to move along because we got a live report on the Obamacare vote yesterday, and i got to hit that. So I'm going to 
Uh, dispense with the chatter, put you on hold, and you'll work it out with Bryce, and we will get you all of those prizes, and I'll pop you a note. Congratulations, he spelled it right on the very first try. Good stuff. We open the show getting heavily into the House of Representatives, passing their repeal and replacement of Obamacare uh, yesterday afternoon on a very tight vote. But for those of you who are just joining us, let's get some other perspectives on this now as we bring in our good friend Joe Gomez, our 1025 WFLA national correspondent. And good morning to you, Joe. Well, good morning, bud. For folks who aren't up to speed on what happened yesterday, run through it for us. Well, the House nearly passed the uh, bill to uh, repeal and replace Obamacare in a vote of 217 to 213. Uh, They needed 216 votes to pass the bill, so that gives you an idea of just how close uh, it was. And now uh, the legislation is going to go forward to the Senate, where it faces an uncertain future. But the the health care reform bill was uh, had had run into uh, several brick walls in the past. Uh, Several weeks ago, the House had tried to vote on it, but they had to. Uh, pull it from the floor because they didn't have the votes. So they were able to get it successfully through the House. That's a major achievement for the Trump administration that has been uh, trying to get this bill uh, through the House, at least. And uh, all Republicans went over to the White House after it was passed yeah. uh, to celebrate this defining moment. Yeah, they really did. And we were checking out uh, our Florida delegation. And uh, among Republicans, the only no vote was the now uh, soon-to-retire Ileana ross Layton out of South Florida. And here in Central Florida, our uh, Republican Congressman Dan Webster apparently was personally persuaded by President Trump that certain things he was concerned about had to do with Medicaid and nursing beds would be dealt with and the problem would be solved. The president, uh, Joe, as we understand it, really got his hands on this and personally got in there using those negotiating skills from his business career that are legendary. Yeah, he he really did come in at the 11th hour, talked to a lot of these members of Congress on a personal level, made uh, phone calls. Uh, Vice President Mike Pence was at the Capitol. Pence, of course, has some experience as a member of Congress before. He was governor of Indiana. He was the head of the Republican Study Committee. So he was a member of Republican leadership. And so it was an all-out push, I think, by the administration to get this bill through the House, and they were able to achieve it. And uh, now uh, it, of course, heads to the next chamber. Yeah, to the Senate. And uh, apparently there's a lot of this that can uh, be passed in the Senate. I know they'll make changes with only 51 votes under reconciliation. But aspects of this uh, uh, Obamacare, uh, which is a massive uh, piece of legislation, can only be undone by 60 votes. Is that the way you understand it? Yeah, because uh, what happened with Obamacare originally was that they passed half of it through reconciliation, which is a budget process that lets the Senate bypass the filibuster uh, and pass laws through a simple majority. If uh, the legislation includes things related to taxing and spending, it becomes kind of a complicated process after that. But Obamacare was originally passed, half of it was, through reconciliation. So Half of this legislation, therefore, could be passed through reconciliation if it's going to uh, undo and then replace and, and fix Obamacare. And so, yeah. But the other half is going to have to be passed, as you pointed out, Bud, with uh, uh, with 60 votes in order to avoid any type, any type of filibuster. So it's going to get very complicated very quickly in yeah. the Senate. Does it look like they're going to be able to pass this thing or ram it through 
the same way that they were able to do in the House. Now, let me ask you, is there any timetable for a Senate vote on this, or are just going to wait until the Republicans feel they have the votes to get it done, whatever their version of this is? Well, Senator John Cornyn, the number two in uh, Senate leadership uh, among the Republican Party, he said that there is no timetable. So they can work uh, as they want to in trying to get uh, everybody together on some kind of uh, health care legislation that that uh, will uh, you know, meet the concerns of moderates and also conservatives in the Republican Party. It sounds like it's probably going to take at least six weeks because they're going to have to wait for their congressional budget office score, right. and then they're going to have to try to uh, assuage a lot of concerns from different factions of the Republican Party in the Senate. And if they write a whole new bill, uh, they could just go back to the House after that. So, But at least six weeks, so it's going to take some time. Great perspectives, as always, when our News Radio 1025 National Correspondent, Joe Gomez. Joe, thank you so much for coming on. Have a great weekend, my friend. Thanks for having me, bud. Always great to have you with us on the 50,000-watt front porch. Good morning, Orlando. It's Friday morning at the top of the 7 o'clock hour. We're just so glad you're with us here for our latest look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning the health care bill now heads to the Senate, and it's the last day for the medical marijuana bill here in Florida. We'll have the details in one minute. What I fear may be missing from the Pulse Nightclub Memorial. We'll talk about it next here on Good Morning Orlando. Good Friday morning. It's 7.04 on News Radio 1025. President Trump is sure he will not encounter any hurdles as the GOP health care bill moves to the Senate. Trump and House Republicans took a victory lap in the Rose Garden yesterday after the House narrowly passed a revised bill to repeal and replace Obamacare. Trump called Obamacare a catastrophe and predicted that premiums and deductibles will come down under the Republican plan. Introducing Trump, Vice President Mike Pence called the House vote, quote, the beginning of the end of Obamacare. Care. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Back in the Sunshine State, they waited until the end of the regular session, but lawmakers in Tallahassee will be voting today on a medical marijuana bill. The Senate approved it last night, and Dennis Baxley of Ocala was the only lawmaker to speak against it. Here we are facing hordes at the gate, some people desperate for the snake oil that's going to cure everything. I just hope we're not creating the next pill mill crisis. The final vote in the Senate was 31 to 7. Now it's up to the House of Representatives and the medical marijuana bill will expire if it's not approved by the end of the day. Yeah, and with all due respect uh, to Mr. Baxley, we the people voted for this 71 percent, a landslide in that amendment vote. And they need to implement the will of the people, as I've said so many times in this microphone. Absolutely. And and as... uh an opportunity to see the other side of this issue. I don't think we're going to have another pill mill crisis, but here's some audio. Uh, The governor's decision to declare a public health emergency because of the opioid abuse Mm -hmm. is welcome news in the state legislature. And right now in Florida, we have a public health crisis. Senator Jack Latvala says they've been grappling with the epidemic of overdoses all session long. And Senator Kelly Stargell of Lakeland says the crisis is all too real. When we're talking about a drug that is literally killing thousands of children. Just in my own world, my daughter has lost two of her friends to a fentanyl overdose, two. 
Opioid overdoses, in fact, killed more than 2,500 Floridians. That's just Floridians last year, and the death toll gets higher each year. The governor's emergency order means more money from the Fed's $54 million over the next two years. And here's an illustration of why this is such an important issue. A Longwood man has now been arrested for allegedly supplying a nearly deadly dose of heroin to a teenage boy. Winter Park Police arrested 20-year-old Patrick Creaseman Jr. yesterday on charges that included attempted first-degree murder and attempted manslaughter of a child. City law enforcement in Winter Park say the attempted murder charge is the first for their jurisdiction from a non-lethal overdose. Creaseman is accused of giving a 17-year-old boy heroin before he was found clinically dead behind a building in February overdosing. Thankfully, he was revived by first responders. Creaseman is booked into the Orange County Jail without bond. And finally, a new study says a single energy drink can be potentially life-threatening. The study from the David Grant United States Air Force Medical Center showed that drinking a 32-ounce energy drink resulted in more profound changes in the heart's electrical activity and blood pressure than drinking the same amount of another beverage with the same amount of caffeine. Yeah, my heart doctor, Ken Kronhaus, has sounded the alarm on the house call we do every week many times about these energy drinks. They really are hell on the heart. They really are. And yet, you know, you go into any local high school and you will find quite a few vending machines or around the area. A lot of kids drink these as a way to get through their day. You know, they won't drink coffee, but it's nothing to think of pounding a monster energy drink or two. Yeah, and it's such an infusion of caffeine. It is. That's the basic problem and the sugar and everything else in there together. Yeah, and the researchers advise people with high blood pressure, cardiac conditions, or other health issues to consider avoiding energy drinks until more is known about their impact on the heart. WFLA News Time at 7.08. Read about the secret about the iPhone calculator that will make your life 100 times better. Mm. I didn't make that declaration, but you can find it at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Alongside the Demmeister, the Budman here on the 50,000-watt front porch until 9 o'clock. We're going to get into the Pulse Nightclub Memorial um, the owner of the nightclub, where all those people were slaughtered last June 12th, none of us will ever forget it, laid out the basic framework for where they're proceeding from here toward memorializing all of the victims. I fully support that being done, but I'm not hearing about one key element of this nightmare that needs to be a part of any memorial. And since the folks putting it all together say they want public input, they're about to get some from the Budman and see whether or not you agree with me on what they're not talking about that they need to be talking about and needs to be a part of any Pulse nightclub memorial. 407-916-5400, 407-916-5400, text line 23680. I'll dive right in on that and make the pitch here in just a moment. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic, and update in two minutes as well here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. None of us here on uh, WFLA and Good Morning Orlando and no one within the sound of my voice will ever, ever forget Orlando's darkest night, June 12th when this radical Islamic terrorist Omar Mateen entered the Pulse nightclub 
at Orange and Cayley, just south of the heart of downtown Orlando, and over a several-hour period, slaughtered 49 people. And there were, I think, 68 people injured, some with grievous injuries from which they will never fully recover. I am so pleased that plans continue to move along, driven by Pulse nightclub owner Barbara Poma, toward a permanent memorial to the victims. In a moment, I want to discuss what I'm afraid will not be a part of that memorial that I believe fervently needs to be. But first of all, here is Barbara Poma yesterday at a gathering in downtown Orlando, kind of a, kind of a news conference setting, on the path forward to creating a memorial on the site of the club at Orange and Cayley in downtown Orlando. Today, it is with great privilege to announce the establishment and activation of the One Pulse Foundation, whose purpose will be to honor the 49 lives that were taken, the 68 who were injured, all of our affected survivors, the countless first responders and healthcare professionals who treated them. This community-driven effort is intended to ultimately support the construction and maintenance of a permanent memorial, community grants to care for the survivors and victims' families, endowed scholarships for each of the 49 angels, and eventually a museum showcasing historic artifacts and stories from the event. All of our donations will be used for the construction and operation of the official memorial and museum, community grants, and education scholarships. This is more than just building a structure. This is an urban planning project that will connect all the pertinent points of downtown affiliated with Pulse. And the ultimate design and function will be decided by this community. Not by me, not by government, but by this community as a whole. Barbara Palmer, the owner of the Pulse nightclub, she's really been remarkable through all of this. Uh, and, and, and she wants community input. And I'm about to give her some unsolicited here because it occurs to me, and I've talked about this before, that everybody is looking at this exclusively as a hate crime aimed at gays. And this was a gay nightclub. But you have to understand that this was the worst radical Islamic terrorist attack in the entire United States since September 11, 2001. And nobody in the wake of the Pulse nightclub massacre ever talks about that dimension to this story. It's all victims of anti gay sentiments. Now, this guy hated gays, but more than anything, this guy was a radical Islamic terrorist, Omar Mateen. He pledged allegiance to ISIS during the attack at the nightclub. He didn't make any reference in the 911 transcripts about gays. It was all he was acting on behalf of ISIS and in the name of Allah. I believe that there must be a display, an exhibit, an acknowledgement of the fact that this was more than anything else terrorism on American soil here in the city of Orlando at the hands of radical Muslims, in this particular case, a man radicalized to those ways of radical Islam, Omar Mateen. Without radical Islam and without him buying into that ideology, 
None of this happens at the Pulse nightclub. That needs, I say, to be a part of any memorial. Do you agree? I'll give you Donald Trump's perspective on that in just a moment, but I want to know whether you agree with me or not, or should we ignore that part of what happened on the night of June 12th, 2016, at the Pulse nightclub? 407 916 text line 23680. There absolutely needs to be a gay focus on any Pulse nightclub memorial concept, but also... We need to focus on the reality that the the man who engineered the slaughter of all of those people at the Pulse nightclub was a radicalized Islamic terrorist. And radical Islam continues to be the scourge of freedom-loving people everywhere. And this was the worst radical Islamic terrorist attack on American soil since 9-11. Nobody talks about it that way. President Trump took some heat just one day after the Pulse nightclub mass shooting last summer. Let's listen to what he said then, because he was a candidate and he was right on target. The attack on the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida, was the worst terrorist strike on our soil since September 11th. The horror is beyond description. The families of these wonderful people are totally devastated, and they will be forever. A radical Islamic terrorist targeted the nightclub, not only because he wanted to kill Americans, but in order to execute gay and lesbian citizens because of their sexual orientation. Remember this. Radical Islam is anti-woman, anti-gay, and anti-American. That was candidate Trump, and as I say, he took a lot of heat. I've taken a little bit of heat as well because I continue to put the spotlight on the fact that this was a very, very big part of what happened at Pulse. It wasn't just a hate crime aimed at gays, okay? This was radical Islam, a terrorist attack in our own city, worst since 9-11 on American soil, Yaffe. Yeah, it's sad that you or Trump took any heat on that because all you're doing is stating the truth, the truth of what happened, the truth of what the killer himself said. Sure. How can we ignore that? Because you have a lot of people who are liberal mm-hmm. in the LGBT movement, et cetera, and you got Buddy Dyer, who's a, a, a classic Democrat and an Obama supporter, and this happened under the Obama regime. I'm not blaming the president for it, the former president. But the fact of the matter is they continually want to minimize the threat of radical Islam here. They don't want us talking about terrorist Muslims. They don't want to do it. They want this whole thing to be about people who hate gays. Yeah, and they've been largely successful to a lot of people in this city, unfortunately. They have been. What's coming in in the text line? Any support for my idea that any memorial needs to have a very, very clear dimension of focus on radical Islam? Yes, actually, you are getting a bunch of support on it. Uh, One person says, totally agree with you, bud, but I bet it won't happen. Another person says, I'm with you, bud, man. Um, One person says the memorial should include the truth behind the shootings, that it was done by a follower of radical Islam. And um, so a lot of people are agreeing with you, bud. Yeah, well, there you go. They want public comment. We got some going right here. And believe me, we will be offering more along the way. In a break here, Deb, a caller just popped up with another perspective on what ought and what ought not to be a part of a 
Pulse nightclub massacre memorial. Yeah, so let's talk to uh, Hannah, who's calling in from Apopka this morning. Good morning, Hannah. Hi, guys. Hi. I'm sorry to say I disagree with you. All right. I remember watching um, the Jody Arias trial and the family's statements at the end, and they said they never wanted to see her face or hear her name ever again. And I have to look at if this was my family member, you know, who was murdered in that way, how I would feel about that person's name or presence being in the same place. Oh, that's don't an we, interesting perspective. But don't we need to have people and generations to come understand what the factors were Not in there. this horrible thing happening? But it doesn't have to be done at that memorial. Really? Right. Yeah. That's about the people who were lost. You know, I agree with you, Hannah, because I find too often we remember the names and the acts of killers, but we don't exactly. remember right often now, enough the, the names of their victims. Right now, I cannot, off the top of my head, remember Jody Arias's victim. His name was, was, uh, was Travis. I know. Yes. I, I, was, I was thinking I, the I same cannot, thing. I cannot come with his first and last name, and that, that really upsets me. It upsets me as well, which is why whenever I do a Pulse story, I never, since that... Shortly after that moment happened, I will not say his name because I don't want people to remember his name. Yeah, I want I, his I, name to be erased. Yeah, I guess I'm okay if the name isn't mentioned, but I think that it, I think that the, the fact that this was essentially a radical Islamic terrorist attack needs to be a part of the story, just as it is part of the story on site where the twin towers were taken down by Al Qaeda in 2001. I'm sorry. I love you, but I just have to disagree. That's fine. <laughs> He that's always a, welcomes it. That's that's what I makes Bud separate from everybody else. No, no, I absolutely do, Hannah, and I respect exactly what you say. Yeah, thank you for calling, Hannah. Yeah, we do appreciate you so much. Um, we've got the big vote in the House that we've been talking about here, the repeal and replacement of Obamacare, or at least a start on it, and you've got more this morning. Yeah, where the President Trump is now going to focus his attention on skeptical Republicans in the Senate now that the House has passed that revised health care bill. The legislation passed by the House yesterday is widely expected to go through some pretty significant changes in the Senate if the President has any hope for passage there. GOP leaders have been working with key senators to try and reach compromises that could get the 51 votes needed for it to pass the chamber. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. All right, if you're pregnant or just in the mood for something bizarre, a candy store in Ohio has just the thing to quench your thirst. Don't smile at me when you start giving into this pickle juice story. In a cute Facebook post, Grandpa Joe's Candy Shop announced that it'll be selling pickle juice soda. Oh, Yeah, that's right. Give your digestive system a few moments to let that one sink in. <laughs> oh, this is fabulous. The, the store posted to the social media site, quote, If you're the kind of pickle lover who relishes all things pickled, this is going to be a really big deal. Pickle juice, soda pop big is deal, here. Big deal. Oh, this a is big deal. great writing. I'm loving that. <laughs> Relish it. I like it. Oh, if you can't make it to the store's Miamisburg, Ohio location, they'll be happy to ship you a bottle for the not-so-low price of nine ninety nine. But what's interesting, Mike, Bud and I, were, as we were waiting when, during the commercial break, I was telling Bud that when uh, my brother and I were kids, we used to fight over the jar of pickle juice after all the pickles were gone. To see who was going to get to drink it that You time. would drink the pickle drink juice the pickle juice from an empty jar of pickles? With your oh, please buds. tell me nope. that this... I love it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I drink it down. Oh, it's making my mouth water right now. Mm. It's good for cramps, mm. too. It's good for what? Cramps. 
Really? Mm-hmm. I just drank it because it tastes good. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Love pickle juice. Salty, nasty, green-colored stuff. Mm. Looks like low tide at Coney Island or something. <laughs> throw, it on, throw it on some ice and Probably put it. Probably tastes a, like that, too. Yeah, put a pickle relish in oh, there. Oh, man. Mm. Oh, man. You know what? You know what? I, I am. I'm, I'm gonna. I want the website. I'm gonna buy a <laughs> bottle of that, and we're gonna get her on video <laughs> drinking it. I don't think she'll drink it. All right. Challenge she accepted. She seems very excited right, about kiddo, it. There we Challenge go. accepted. Challenge accepted. They shook hands. Yeah. Pickle juice we, we soda. Did. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and I wanted to remind everybody: don't forget, select McDonald's across the country will be giving away the viral fork sensation today. The fork is a utensil that uses French fries as the tines or the prongs on the fork. It started trending after a tongue-in-cheek yeah. viral ad campaign hit YouTube. But the, uh, the promotion tie-ins with the new line of signature burgers the fast food giant is unveiling. But today is the only day you can get the fork, and it's only while uh, their supplies last. Yeah, you take some of your French fries, like three of them, and you kind of cut them into the same length, make them short, and stick them in this open area of this utensil. Brilliant. And you get something that looks like a fork made of fries, hence the... Fork. Fork. The fork that you will use to stir your pickle juice before you drink oh, it down. Oh, you just ruined it nom, for nom, me. Nom, nom, oh. nom, nom, nom. I don't know. I think there must be some breaking news down the hall you can tend nom, to. Nom, nom, nom. Can we get her out of here, please? <laughs> Catch you later, Deb. You got it. All right. <laughs> here in WFLA, we are freedom-loving Americans, and we are big supporters of those who have put on the uniform of the armed services of this great country and put their lives on the line, and so many have given the last full measure of devotion. Those who served in World War II and the Korean War are, um, are getting up there in age, to say the very least, and it is a wonderful thing that the Honor Flight program, Honor Flight of Central Florida, gives these aging veterans a real opportunity to be honored and to see memorials erected in their honor in Washington, D.C. And so it is that we welcome once again to the 50,000-watt front porch um, the head man with Honor Flight of Central Florida, Ed Reardon. We've got an honor flight this weekend, Ed. Let's talk about it. And good morning to you, my friend. And good morning to you, Bud. Thank you so very much for having me on sure. uh, to help us promote a good turnout at the airport tomorrow evening. When we arrive back from 2017's first honor flight up to the Capitol, Bud, we are just so pleased uh, to be able to bring up uh, 24 Central Florida area veterans, 16 of whom served in World War II, seven of whom served in Korea, one in Vietnam, and of those, Bud, four served in World War II, Korea, and Vietnam, mm. and two, two served in Korea, the Cold War, in Vietnam. And we're really pleased to be taking two women that served in World War II, one as a WAC in the Women's Army Corps, and one as a WAVE in the Navy. And it is wonderful what you do with Honor Flight, because, you know, everybody has someone who is um, a volunteer and is dedicated to be with them and to meet all of their needs. And in some cases, we're talking about wheelchairs, etc. And it's one whirlwind thing after another that occurs in Washington, D.C. on one unforgettable day. And that day will be tomorrow. What will the veterans be seeing after they get off the honor flight in D.C.? We'll be going to the World War II Memorial, the Korea War Memorial, the Vietnam Wall. 
We'll also be going over to Arlington National Cemetery, where we'll get to observe the changing of the guard at the Tomb of the Unknown mm-hmm. Soldier. Of course, we'll be visiting the Marine Memorial. Mm-hmm. We'll be visiting the Air Force Memorial, and certainly wouldn't miss a stop at the Women in Service Memorial outside of Arlington, especially for the two women that will be joining us and both served going back to 1942, bud. Right. I've got about a minute here, Ed, and the Affy and I will never forget and be eternally grateful for the opportunity to accompany one of your honor flights a few years ago. And one of the indelible memories is the welcome home at the airport. And this is where we want to reach out to all the patriots listening to us here on Good Morning Orlando. What can you tell us about the welcome home and how they can be a part of it tomorrow night? We would love for members of the patriotic audience of your show to come on down to Orlando Airport Terminal A tomorrow evening at 8.30 p.m. underneath the Chili's in Terminal A mm-hmm. to greet our flight. We arrive at 8 o'clock, uh, 8.11 on JetBlue Flight 1023. And if we can have folks filling up the terminal area where we come back out through security to give them the welcome home that they never got after their service, it is the culmination of a great trip up to the Capitol, one that they never expect and one that they most definitely deserve. Make some patriotic signs, bring your flags, and wave them proudly. Right, Ed? Yes, and for those that want to double-check the information, it's on our website at honorflightcentralflorida.org. Or if you're on Facebook, visit Honor Flight Central Florida Hub. All the information about the Welcome Home is posted there. Fantastic. Great job you and your team do for our vets with Honor Flight and uh, safe travels and have a great up and back to Washington, D.C. tomorrow, Ed. Thank you so much. Thank you for your support, buddy. Oh, we love you guys. You're absolutely the best. The ayes are 217, the nays are 213. The bill is passed, and without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. The House votes to repeal and replace Obamacare. Now it's the morning after, and good morning, Orlando, at 8 o'clock. As we give you the latest we have on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on News Radio 1025 WFLA, I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning, of course, talking about the health care bill, which now goes to the Senate, and Senator Bill Nelson is taking on the airlines. We'll have those details in one minute. And we'll have my take and yours next on all aspects of the big house vote on Obamacare on Good Morning Orlando. And good Friday morning. It's 8.04 on News Radio 1025. President Trump is praising House passage of a GOP health care plan as a big victory, and he's predicting that it'll also be approved by senators. But the legislation faces an uphill battle in the Senate, where Republican lawmakers are taking a more cautious approach and where a Congressional Budget Office score will be needed before action can be taken. At a Rose Garden event celebrating the vote yesterday, Trump said Obamacare has been a disaster, but that premiums and deductibles will come down under the Republican plan. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Delta Airlines is apologizing to a Southern California family who were forced off a flight last month. Brian Shear claimed Delta booted him, his wife, and his two toddler children off a flight from Hawaii to Los Angeles due to overbooking. Shear says they bought a ticket for their toddler to use while in his car seat, but Delta employees told them they needed the seat. They reportedly asked the family to hold the baby on their lap for the entire flight. When he refused, Shear said the employees told the parents they would be tossed in jail if they didn't get off the plane 
McLean and their children would end up in foster care. Delta issued an apology yesterday and promised to give the family a full refund and additional compensation. But that's not all. American Airlines is cutting legroom on its new Boeing 737 MAX jetliners. A spokesman for the nation's biggest airline says the company will shrink the space between most rows to about 30 inches. That's an inch less than on its current fleet of 737s, and the move will allow the airline to pack in an additional 10 seats. The move comes as U.S. carriers try to cram more passengers onto each plane to boost profits. American will take delivery on the first of its new 737 MAX planes later this year. And that means the airline industry has become anti-competitive, according to Florida Senator Bill Nelson, and he says passengers are the ones being hurt. Talk to most any passenger, and they feel like they're being treated as self-loading cargo. They feel taken advantage of, and they're getting sick and tired of it. Nelson was in Washington yesterday during a hearing on the state of airline travel and said the big four control over 50 percent of the seat capacity out of 150 airports, leaving passengers wishing to hold carriers accountable for fewer options. In local news, a Seminole County Middle School student is recovering from a venomous snake bite. Seminole County Public Schools confirmed this week that a 14-year-old Markham Woods Middle School student was bit on campus Monday by what was likely a cottonmouth, also known as a water moccasin. The teen was taken to Honor Palmer Hospital for children in Orlando but didn't require antivenom because it was what they call a dry bite. Administrators at the middle school notified parents about the incident. And finally, a New York coffee shop is suing Starbucks over that sweet, colorful unicorn drink. That thing is gross looking. It looks gross, but it was hugely popular. And a shop called The End Brooklyn filed suit in federal court on Wednesday, claiming that Starbucks unicorn frappuccino is a knockoff of its unicorn latte. Uh. The suit says The End started selling its pink and blue drink back in December and applied to register the name with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office in January. Starbucks poured its unicorn frappuccino for five days last month. But the coffee house chain got so much publicity for the drink, including a barista who absolutely went ballistic after getting all that pink and blue powder in his nose. Well, he said, don't order. It's impossible to make. It is. And it <laughs> takes a long time. And, but according to the lawsuit, social media and online publications treated the ends unicorn latte as a knockoff. Oh, so Starbucks boy. got all the glory without coming up with the idea, which is what that suit alleges. <laughs> WFLA News Time 808. Read about a selfie inadvertently revealing Steve Bannon's to-do list at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Deb, thank you so much, Deborah Roberts. Here in Good Morning Orlando, news top and bottom of the hour. Whenever it breaks, you know the drill. If you're a regular, she is the best, and so is Yaffe. He is our executive producer back from vacation this week and doing a terrific job. We're going to get into the House vote yesterday and how this is all going to play out and some key elements of that historic vote to repeal and replace Obamacare. We're going to tell you what is in this legislation and um, and and take a look at it in detail and take your calls and texts as well. Bryce will be screening your calls and you can reach us at 407-916-5400 if you want to weigh in on the vote. 
and where this is all headed from here and how you feel about it, we'd love to hear. And uh, uh, the text line always open, never a busy signal, 23680. As we roll on for the Frontgate Realty Studio, visit laurahasthebuyers.com. We'll have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in only two minutes. So hang on here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Let's go to the phones on the houseboat yesterday as the uh, repeal and replace effort with Obamacare moves on to the United States Senate. We go to Winter Park. Brad, thank you for waiting, and you're on with a Bud Man. Good morning, Brad. Oh, good morning, Bud. What do you think? Can, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. Um, I My main thing is the fake news and the propaganda of the left-wing media. I've been watching it constantly and all they're doing is this one-way street thing we all know that millions of families had trouble with the premiums as they skyrocketed in state after state the the deductibles that were in some cases thirteen fourteen thousand dollars were such a joke that to say that that's a farce no, no, no family is going to be able to afford a deductible like that. And we're talking about millions of hardworking families. Yet you didn't right. hear any of that in the news reports. No, you didn't, you, ha- you, didn't, you didn't hear about it. You didn't hear about the trillion dollars in tax relief. I just gave you some chapter and verse on that uh, by, the, by, the, uh, by the vote yesterday, if this thing can be held together in the United States Senate. But Obamacare is imploding before our very eyes around the country. And with these high deductibles, people, you might say, technically are on the, on the rolls. They have insurance, but they can't use it. They can't afford to use it. And, and you're right. And the mainstream media is de-emphasizing the good news yesterday and harping on what they perceive to be the negativity of it. You are right, sir. And by the way, as I go to Yaffe with his take on all of this, because he's a real student of health care and health care reform, we have a new poll out that confirms what we've always suspected, the very, very strong anti-Trump bias among the White House press corps in this case. Stunning poll next hour. Go ahead. Can I tell you, bud, that caller made an excellent point. If you heard the Democrats yesterday, if you heard the left and the media yesterday, you would think the sky is falling. You would think it's the end of the world, that people are going to die in the streets. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to lose their health care. And it's complete nonsense. The people really losing their health care are the ones who can't afford it now because Obamacare made it incredibly too expensive. And I've talked to people personally like that. So the Republicans needed to get this done. And frankly, it's not even it really doesn't even go far enough. It's not even a full repeal. No, and yet not. the Democrats are acting like um, this is the end of the world. This it's thing crazy. was written, Yaffe, and you know this as well as I do. Um, this was written to make it almost impossible to undo Obamacare. It is a very complex web, uh, but a dramatic and important first step was taken yesterday that only three or four days ago seemed impossible. Yeah, that's what happens when you pass major, huge entitlement programs. Yeah. That's why it's bad when the government does stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. Because you can't undo it. You can't take it away from the American people or there's political hell to pay. Exactly. And there may still be. It was the Democrats who were were singing that obnoxious song to the Republicans about goodbye, goodbye, na, 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 yesterday in Congress, meaning you're all going to lose in 2018. We have no idea how this thing is going to play out. But um, that was that. That was quite a moment yesterday, for sure. Yeah, I think that's a little premature because a lot of them would have lost if they did not repeal Obamacare. So I, they needed to get it done, and they got it done. Well, almost. It's got to pass in the Senate. Well, but they got. They needed two sixteen. They got two seventeen. Yeah. First things first, yeah. right? <laughs> got to walk before you run. That's for sure. And the Debmeister back one more time to get us up to date. 
on her perspective on the biggest story we've been talking about all morning, that big vote in the House to repeal and replace Obamacare. Yeah, and that revised GOP health care bill is now headed to the Senate after clearing the House. The final vote was pretty close, 217 to 213. The bill aims to repeal and replace Obamacare, which Republicans call a failure. Democrats say the GOP measure will put the health care of millions of Americans at risk. GOP leaders and President Trump have been working all week to get a group of wary Republicans on board, including Central Florida's own Daniel Webster. A big sticking point involved a dispute over protections for pre-existing conditions. Ultimately, the only no vote among the Republican congressional delegation (laughs) from Florida is the one who has the least amount to worry politically. And that would be Ileana Ross-Layden in South Florida, who is soon to retire. Exactly. And knew she could vote however she felt like without taking any heat. No political retribution there. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus began in the 19th century, interestingly enough, in Baraboo, Wisconsin. I did not know it began in Wisconsin, but it sure has been around a long time. Yes, it has. That would be the Ringling Brothers portion of Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey. Barnum and Bailey started elsewhere, but Baraboo, Wisconsin, was the Ringling Brothers. But it will broadcast its final show on in the most uh, 21st century of channels. Facebook Live. Well, they'll have their biggest audience in history. You know it. After 146 years, the company says the final performance of The Greatest Show on Earth on May 21st will be streamed live on the social media network and on the Circus website. Feld Entertainment, which owns the iconic Circus, earlier this year the company had announced it was closing up its Circus Tent for Good in May. The Circus's decline happened due to a variety of factors. Declining attendance combined with high operating costs, changing public tastes, Prolonged battles with animal rights groups all contributed to its demise. The final show will take place in Uniondale, New York, and will be broadcast in its entirety. And just in case you've forgotten, we have a local connection to the circus. And it is? Kristen Michelle Wilson is the new ringmaster for Ringling Brothers and Barnum & Bailey's Present Circus Extreme, becoming the first ever female ringmaster, and she's from Orlando. So how sad. At least she got her chance. You know, but after 146 years, it's like, yay, first female ringmaster. Oh, we're closing our doors. We had her on the show as a guest just before we found out that it was uh, going to be over for the circus. But I'll tell you, Facebook is like what you'd call a big tent. That's going to be a great final act. It is. It is the big tent of this day and age. And uh, kind of finally, Friday is finally here. Not only is it the last day of the work week, today is also Cinco de Mayo. But that's not all. It also happens to be National Hoagie Day. National Astronaut Day, and National Cartoonist Day. Good stuff. Yeah. And Sunday is the Debmeister's Day for her big show, Animal House. Let's talk about this edition Sunday, something you'll definitely want to tune in for at 3 o'clock Sunday afternoon right here on WFLA. Animal House, Deb, yeah. what you got? Animal House Radio is going to be interviewing an Orange County canine deputy this Sunday. So if you're like myself and you see the cars, you see the SUVs, you see the decals of the dogs on the car, and you've always wondered, how do you get into a career where you get to work with dogs all the time? What's involved with the training? Yeah. What's it? What's their connection like? You know, Does a canine officer, do they trust their canine? deputy more than they would trust another human. Sure. So we're going to go through all, all aspects of that, plus our latest edition of Animal Tales, where we cover uh, stories with animals that made the news. Deb does a great, great show. <laughs> you will love this, and, um, and, and she'll take your calls and 
your uh, just text as we questions. do right here, right? Yeah, absolutely. Four, it's four, live. 407 916 5400, Sunday afternoon at 3. It's Animal House with a Debmeister. Text line 23680. Have a great show. Thank you, bud. I appreciate the plug. And a great weekend. And a great weekend. You too. Good stuff. All right. Go out and have some pickle juice. <laughs> mm, I yeah. got a jar on ice right now. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. Mm. I can't, can't get my arms around. She likes pickle juice, and Bryce likes it too. Yeah, see? See? I'm there's no accounting for bad taste on the staff here. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. But on that executive order, and we're glad to see it, they had religious leaders there, and they were all excited about it. Um, there are questions about uh, really what kind of a difference it's going to make, and I have some personal problems with politics being preached in the pulpit. I've had that experience, and I will leave a church if that occurs on anything like a regular basis. I think you should be free to do it, and each individual church ought to be able to decide how much of that is appropriate. But maybe it's by virtue of what I do all the time, five days a week, dealing with politics to the point where on Sunday I need sanctuary in a church. I am there to deepen my spiritual walk with God and Jesus Christ. I'm not there to get pitched on what candidate to vote for. I will leave a church if that goes on from the pulpit. But I think I want to see increased freedom to do it, Yaffe, without the heavy hand of the IRS coming down. But the reality is, it's very seldom, it's very seldom that the IRS actually goes after a church yeah, or a pastor. And that's why I don't know how much of a difference this makes yesterday. Yeah, originally there was supposed to be a lot more to this executive order to protect, you know, businesses with religious freedoms, and it's not really in there now. Most of this was just repealing the Johnson Amendment, which, you know, you and I agree should be repealed, but it doesn't really do a whole lot. It yeah, the, looks good. the Johnson Amendment goes back to 1954, and it's actually named for Lyndon Johnson when he was a politician down in, in Texas, okay, before he became president. The amendment says any tax-exempt group can lose its exemption if it is found to have endorsed or actively opposed a candidate for political office, okay? And um, and really, that's more a freedom of speech issue than anything else. Yeah, yeah. but you know, do you know where I'm coming from? I don't want to be, I don't want politics preached from the pulpit. I want it used, uh, you know, to get into the Bible and to, uh, and, and to deepen the spiritual life of the flock. I, you know, and I just, yeah. I've never been a fan of that. I know what happens a lot in conservative evangelical churches. There's a lot of concern by those who are opposed to what happened yesterday with the executive order that the, you know, that the uh, zealots among the, the religious right will, will really take this and run with it. Well, I, I, yeah, I don't know about that either because there's a lot of churches that just won't want to touch it. Um, I agree with you. I think it depends on the issue. You know, in terms of, I wouldn't want to hear about endorsing a candidate or whatever. But, I mean, abortion, that's seen a lot as a political issue. But there's also a religious issue there as well. So if a pastor comes out against abortion, I would want him to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and again, I, and I think every, every pastor and every church that, 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 he, that he pastors ought to be able to decide how much of that is what what the folks want. If the, fox want if, the, if the flock wants to get fed that way, fine, you know? And But, um, but I mean, I think you're right, too, that a lot of churches already do this, evangelical churches, black churches, a lot of black churches we know do that. 
as well, and it's not really enforced. This is such a minor thing in yeah. terms of the, the religious freedom issue in this country, but yeah. it's a step in the right direction. It is a step in the right direction, just like the House vote to repeal and replace Obama here is a step in the right direction. We're so sick over the last eight years of so many things being steps in the wrong direction and giant leaps in the wrong direction. 407-916-5400, if you want to weigh in on this. As a matter of fact, I've just got a call on the line from Leon from Orlando. Go ahead. You're on with the Budman and Yaffe on the executive order on religious freedom yesterday from the president. What are your thoughts, Leon? Yeah, I think it's very important. Now, coming from Minnesota, which is a very liberal state, uh, my church was targeted by the gay community when the pastor was speaking basically from the Bible, saying this is not right and stuff like that. And then when you had Christians getting their heads chopped off overseas, then they were trying to come at them for speaking about that because they considered it politics. So it's not about a preacher telling you where to who to vote for, but if you comment on anything uh, that has to do with the political situation around the world, especially if it's Christians, churches have been targeted. Yeah, and, and not not in, in an enormous number of cases, but that potential is is definitely definitely out there and i thank you for your input on that you make some great great points reaction now to the uh trump executive order on uh, religious liberties here is ed in titusville ed i'm a little tight on time but welcome to the fifty thousand watt front porch this morning hey bud this is ed from titusville um i've listened to you for five years since i moved here i love your show because you're not afraid to use the f word but faith family and freedom thank you, 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 you that f word i'll freedom. use freely amen hey listen during the american revolution uh, but the um people that the british army and government feared the most was called the black robed regiment that's r-o-b-e-d regiment which was made up of pastors and clergy who were not afraid to boldly preach independence freedom and liberty from the pulpit Many of these men, bud, would preach their sermon, turn around, and pick up their rifle, and then go out and fight for our freedom. So it's a part of American history that most Americans don't know about. All you have to do is Google black-robed regiment, and yeah. there is so much information available. And even though they didn't endorse the specific candidates, bud, they preached the principles of freedom from the Scripture in the name of Jesus. Awesome, awesome history. Thank you, Ed. God bless you, my friend. Do appreciate it. Hey, um... Yaffe put me on to this poll from Politico, okay? Now, they're no great fans of, uh, of the Trump regime. There's no question. They definitely lean to the left. But listen to this. Politico did a survey of 63 members of the White House press corps, okay, on their politics and party affiliations, okay? Only 5% of them were Republicans. 16 admitted to being Democrats. 37 said they were independents, but as Politico concedes in the article, these numbers are really more unbalanced than they even look because they'll say independent for reasons, you know, political deniability, but they really are Democrats, okay? They don't want anybody to think they're biased. They want to cover up the bias. Really incredible stuff here. 45% of the White House press corps admitted that the media's coverage is biased against Trump. That's nearly half. Unbelievable. You know? Um, powerful stuff, and it confirms what we've always suspected and what we've really known. Um, but you know what's really incredible, Yaffe, is most of them in the White House press corps, it's like a badge of honor to be opposed to Trump. You know? It, yeah, it's, it's like it, they're not embarrassed about it at all. 
it's gotten that way. And it's funny how they always like complain about Trump's treatment of the press. But Trump's been more open with the press than a lot of presidents, including Obama. A New York so Times reporter got himself in a little bit of trouble for saying that absolutely true. Yeah, but he's right. Yeah. I mean, how many interviews did Trump do on his 100 days with like all kinds of different press outlets? It's I mean, unbelievable. Phenomenal. Thanks for revealing that. I would not have caught up with that. The Yaffe, he's the best. Um, listen, before we say goodbye, uh, you need to be out in Winter Springs tomorrow starting at 4 o'clock for the fabulous ABC Fine Wine and Spirits and WFLA presentation of the Winter Springs Food and Wine Festival taking place this Saturday, May 6th. You can get your tickets, buy your tickets, dial pound 250 from your cell phone. Do it now. Just say the keyword Winter Springs. You'll have the option to receive a text message from us with a direct link to buy tickets. It is going to be a fantastic event tomorrow, and it will be at the Winter Springs Town Center. Now for Yaffe and for Bryce and for Deb and the whole team, it's the Budman on a very busy Friday. Wishing you a wonderful weekend. Thanks for listening. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless America.